Welcome to the Luxury Podcast, a series that explores the finer things in life, from luxury homes to Michelin star dining, from boutique jewelry to private jets. I'm your host, Arpan Ghosh, and I speak with the people that bring you the very best. Over the past 18 months, the world as we know it has changed completely. Some of those changes have been catastrophic, while others have been unexpectedly positive. I think the Dubai real estate market is a prime example of the latter. Over the course of 2020, many feared that the market would completely fall off a cliff, and that would be the end of that. But then things took a surprising upward turn, and currently, the market is busier than it has ever been. New transactional records are being smashed, quarterly performance is up, year-on-year performance is up, and in 2021 alone we have seen some of the biggest transactions in the city's history. In this episode, I am sitting down with the man who is responsible for several of those transactions, the so-called super broker of the buy, head of luxury sales and luxury leasing, at LuxuryProperty.com, Ricardo Scala. Well, it is good to have you back on the show, Ricardo. Um, It's been just about a year now since I last interviewed you for uh, the previous edition of the podcast. Yeah. Yep. And there has been just so much that's happened in that time. Yeah. So um, tell me a little bit about uh, what your year has been like. So what, what, what do we have? The, the, the podcast interview a year ago where I, I gave you my my comments and a little bit of spiel about who I was and how right. I was excited to get stuck into the role. And <laughs> we talked about your football background. All the fun stuff. All the good yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what's happened in the past year? Um, Lots of lots of good stuff. Um, you know, transitioning from uh, transitioning into a new company is never an easy thing to do. But the way that I was welcomed and the way that I was given the support to to be able to give me the opportunity to just relax and um, do my job effectively um, has been great. So, in the past year, what what have we done? We've we've knocked out. Uh, I say we, I always say we, because of course the, the company LuxuryProperty.com supports everything. So we have knocked out the, the highest grossing rental commission ever right. in Dubai history. We've knocked out um, most recently, again, the highest rental um, deal ever in Dubai's residential history. Right. Um, in addition to that, um, I have sold um two of the most expensive villas um, ever sold in Dubai's history uh, this year during COVID, which was amazing. Um, I mean, let's face it, during the during this past 18 months to just under two years now, it's been it's been rough all over the world. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. been rough for all businesses. Yeah. And you never really know which way it's going to go, uh, or we didn't know which way it was going to go. And, and I think in times like this where we had no way to predict what was going to happen or how society was going to react or how things were going to go um, the only thing you can do is um, trust in yourself trust in the process roll up your sleeves and just go to work Um, and if that was possible to do which it was 
it's been a it's been a, a successful past year so far. So yeah, I can't complain. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm sure you can. It's been it's been quite fantastic. Uh, I mean, you've just been smashing record after record, uh, winning multiple awards. I think. Um, Outstanding Agent Q4 2020, yep. and then Q1 2021. Yep. So, yeah, so the Outstanding Agent from, yeah, that's true. Um, so Q4 was really great um, because it was the Outstanding Agent Award for Q4 of 2020 right. from a rental point of view, which for me is actually a really important thing to have been awarded with because when you look at the real estate market or when people talk about real estate market in, in Dubai, they always seem to forget about rental and right. as far as i'm concerned the rental market in dubai literally is the bread and butter of what this industry is all about because mm -hmm. there's so many people renting all the time yeah. awards don't tend to be given for rental um accolades let's say right. it's always given for sales and all these different transactions and all that different kind of stuff that happens so mm -hmm. to actually be given the top award for q4 from um for the whole of the city and to get that award based upon the performance on rental deals and transactions with rentals and customer service, that meant quite a lot. It, to be honest, it meant quite a lot for me because right. uh, coming to Dubai, when I first came to Dubai, as most real estate brokers do, you get put into rentals. Mm -hmm. And so um, transitioning from rentals into sales is what most brokers do because the accolade of earning more money and giving the company more money is always there. And too many brokers move into sales too quickly. Right. Um, but the point I wanted to try and prove, which I feel as though I did, was um, was basically to, to represent every single real estate professional that comes to Dubai and starts in a rental capacity. Because it doesn't get enough recognition as what it should. Mm -hmm. And having the ability to have won that award Doing it based upon rental deals and, and transactions was my way of obviously being very happy with my performance, but basically representing every single real estate broker out there who who looks at the job and goes, oh, I, I do rentals, but I want to do sales because that's where that's where all the recognition comes. And the reality is, is that it's not because mm -hmm. I've proven that now. So um, you get just as much recognition and, and awards effectively by just as I said before, rolling up your sleeves, working hard and doing some really good rental deals. So I was really, really happy about that. And then um, what made it even cooler, if I can use the word cool, was, I mean, you know me, um, Most uh, a lot of people listening um, might still not know me too much or, or, or watching might not know me too much, but you know that I just work. I'm just a workaholic and yeah. I work and I've got, yeah. a, you know, I, I, I don't focus really on anything else. Um, I've got a wife, I've got two kids, my head is down. I, I have a game plan, a very strategic game plan for my my life here in Dubai and I work. And so with that award, it's very, that I got in Q4, it was very easy to just say, oh, cool, I got that. It's December time, it's New Year time, sit back and relax, let's see what happens from there. Mm -hmm. But then um, that's not really me. So I then just went at it again. Yeah. And fortunately, um, through hard work and persistence and customer service and um, leads that come in from the company, um, through the company website and following up on those leads and managing clients, I was then able to win the Q1 
award. So back to back Q4 and then Q1. But right. this time for Q1, I won it for sales. Yeah. So yeah, that was I, yeah, for me that was really cool as well. So, I, so again, showing that A, I'm not just a one trick pony. Right. B, I don't just operate in one sector of the industry. Mm-hmm. And C, I do sales and rentals or rentals and sales. And I like to think I'm good at both. So having the recognition from the Q4 and then going straight into Q1 and getting that recognition as well um, was fantastic. Right, yeah. And I mean, you've just, again, your performance over since the time you've come into the company has just been phenomenal. And you know, even Thank before you. that, you've had a, just an exceptional reputation in terms of your service and your work ethic. Um, now, to, to kind of uh, follow up on something you touched on earlier, yeah. you know, Agents, when they come into the real estate sector, yep. they're put into rentals at first, yep. and then they transition to sales. Now, you kind of um, deliberately held off on moving to sales. I think you had opportunities yep. previously where you could have shifted over to sales, but you were like, no, I'm going to stick with rentals. Yep. Was it, like, was was the award kind of the point where you said, okay, you know, I've got the recognition for rentals, I want to move on, or what was the plan there? To get yeah, no, no, it wasn't necessarily that. It was... Um, you know, I mean, I can sell. I've, I've proven I can sell. <laughs> right. Selling, yeah. selling yeah. rental deals and selling properties. It's it's selling. That's that's what the nature of this business is. Right. It's doing it in the right way and it's doing it in the in the most ethical way, which mm-hmm. creates a happy seller, a happy buyer, a happy landlord, a happy tenant. It doesn't really matter. It's still selling and managing relationships and customer service. But yes, I did hold off. Um, I mean, I first came to Dubai, and as most people, as I mentioned previous, as most people who come into the real estate industry in Dubai, most people don't have real estate experience. Right. I didn't. Mm-hmm. I certainly didn't have real estate experience in Dubai. Um, so the Dubai market is a very different type of real estate market compared to anywhere else in the world. Right. And so as with most brokers or most professionals that come to Dubai with the, the promise of, um, you know, entering the real estate market and working hard and doing deals and having a great lifestyle. I was just the same as everybody else when I came. Um, the difference in in myself compared to maybe some other people is, um, well, A, I'm not as young as a lot of the real estate brokers that come into the industry. So I had a very simple game plan, as I mentioned before. And it's very easy here in Dubai to forget what your game plan is. Mm-hmm. Um, you start doing some deals, you start earning some some money, and all of a sudden you think, oh, I want to earn more money, I'll jump into sales. Right. But um, the reality is, is that you must have a game plan. Mm-hmm. Um, you must have a strategy in what you're doing, and you must stick to it. And that doesn't happen overnight, and it takes a bit of time. And and I think you know the question you asked, why did I not jump straight into sales? Why did I not do that straight away? Because my game plan was basically to make myself so well known mm-hmm. in the industry from a rental capacity, because that's what I came here to do before being given the promise of moving to sales. So I thought, if I'm gonna come and do rentals in Dubai, um, I very quickly realized that the Dubai real estate market recognized sales agents more than rental agents. And so I thought to myself, that's not fair. I wanna be the best I can absolutely be so that everybody understands that working in rentals is just as important as working in sales. Right. Not just for your own personal self-worth, but because of the experience that you get and because of the, the, the ability to interact with a lot more people. 
mm-hmm. and inevitably yeah. the more people you talk to the more people you interact with and the more people that you help the more experienced you become mm-hmm. and the more experienced you become the easier it is to problem solve and in the real estate industry selling real estate renting real estate it really is just problem problem solving because mm-hmm. you're yeah. you're you're taking a problem that someone has, I don't have a home, find me a home, and you're finding them a solution. So the more the more the momentum builds from the rental side, mm-hmm. the more competent and experienced you become. And really what I wanted to do was just be known as the best the best in the industry um, for um, for rentals. I feel as though I achieved that. Um, mm-hmm. I feel as though I've got a good reputation. I'd like to think I have a good reputation. So I didn't want to jump into sales too quickly because I had a point to prove and um, I'm all about proving points <laughs> you put me in a corner and I'll I'll come out kicking and screaming and I'll come out fighting but I had a point to prove and, and as I said before my point was that if you're going to do something you do it to the best of your ability and the only way to do something to the best of your ability is to prove to the whole city that you are the best and the only way that I felt as though I could do that was to not jump too quickly into sales mm-hmm. and to focus on trying to break as many rental leasing records as I possibly could. Um, so I don't know, I honestly don't know how many records are out there to be broken, but I try and focus on breaking as many as I can just because right. it's fun, but I've got a point to prove. Right. Um, I'm a yeah. very competitive person, um, but I'm a very driven person mm-hmm. and I need a target to go for. So I'm always... Um, conversing with my colleagues um, in the office but in addition to that I'm always conversing with my colleagues that are not in the same company as myself and my network of relationships that I have with brokers and all the different companies for me is extremely important because Mm -hmm. again it's easier to do deals with other brokers than it is to do it yourself as long as you understand how to structure deals. Mm-hmm. Um, and as long as there's a mutual respect on how deals are done. So having a really good network of, of, of people all through Dubai who I've worked with and who I've helped and who've helped me and and that then creates reputation because you know someone might call me and say, I've just got nothing for them. Have you got anything? Of course I have. Let's do a deal. No mm-hmm. problem at all. Yeah. So yeah. it was it was focusing on doing that and it was focusing on building that reputation before necessarily jumping into sales. And then I guess just to sum it up, when I was ready to jump into sales, when I said, yep, let's go and do it, which um, for clarity is when I moved to this company, because before, prior to moving to luxuryproperty.com, um, I hadn't moved into sales by right. choice. Right. And the previous companies I'd worked with, they wanted me to, but I hadn't done it. Right. Um, but when I was ready to take that step with this company, with the responsibility that I was given and with the opportunity that I was given, I knew that I was doing that with a bit of a reputation coming from the re- the rental side of things, mm-hmm. which allowed me to transition a lot easier. Um, so sales agents knew who I was. They knew that I was ethical. They knew that I was a a, a, a broker, a, a real estate professional that played straight up. Right. And there was no under table tactics or anything else. Again, that gives you momentum and it gives you momentum just to get into your rhythm as quickly as possible. So that was really the game plan on that side of things. Well, it seems like that game plan's worked out really well, uh, at least this year. So far. Um, again, as as we've uh, discussed previously as well, you know, you were responsible for two of the most expensive sales yeah. uh, this year. And yeah. certainly one of them was a 
the most expensive in, in, in quite some time. More to come, Arpan. More to come. Watch <laughs> oh, this yes. space. We're um, yes. to that. Um, so tell me a little bit about how, how that came about. I mean, they happened within just within weeks of each other. Yeah, I mean, yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, the first one, I mean, they happened within weeks of each other, but the, the relationship and the, the service started months before. Right. Months before. Right. So the the, the the first property that was sold, which at the time when it was sold um, was the highest um, residential real estate transaction for the past five or six years in Dubai, yeah. um, that relationship started back in November. Okay. Um, I, I didn't meet the clients until the end of February. Um, so the correspondence started um, over, the, over email, actually, email, okay. um, into telephone calls. Mm-hmm into Zoom calls, and then WhatsApps, email combinations back and forth. But that started um, through a simple inquiry through our website on a property which was half the value of what the final purchase price was on a property. Um, So understanding what the client wanted, providing them options, understanding what their ability was to to transact, Mm -hmm. um, showing them exactly what they were asking for, not just showing them everything. Right. which is a big mistake that, me, that, that too many um, people do, listening to what they wanted and then showing them what they asked for helped them to realize that what they were asking for wasn't exactly what they wanted. So we then reevaluated the process again. Right. And eventually by the time they turned up in Dubai um, from Europe, um, we had a really good understanding of exactly what I needed to show them. Um, so I did. And I mean... Let me see. The timeline was they landed on the, the Wednesday, and by the following Saturday, the deal was signed. So wow. it was fast if you look at it that way. Mm-hmm. But the prep work started months before. Um, but that's just how you do it, right? <laughs> right. I, I think that's just how you do it. I mean, I think that's how it's supposed to be. The second one, the second one came from my my colleague in the office, um, who had the client. And um, the client was coming in again from Europe. And again, the client was coming in to look at penthouses, actually. Initially right. at penthouses. Yeah. And through the skill of my, my, my colleague, um, Patrick, mm-hmm. um, he was able to ascertain that it wasn't exactly what the client was wanting. What were the different options available to him? Ricardo, um, let's work on this, let's give this guy exactly what he wants, what have you got available? I made a few suggestions, we got a couple of things organized. The client landed on the Thursday, we did the viewing on the Saturday, the deal was agreed by the Monday. And that was that was it. And again, it was just, again, customer service, managing the client, understanding what the client wanted, which was interesting because Patrick done a, fan- a fantastic job because um, the correspondence with the client from that side was um, all in um, in the language of the client. Right. Uh, I'm not going to divulge too much more of that, but um, Patrick doesn't speak his language, <laughs> so that was all. That was good. Google Translate and everything else. Um, that was that was really good. So effectively, you know, my colleague was was managing the seller, and with himself and myself working the the, the client as a team, right. I was um, representing and managing the the. Sorry, excuse me. My colleague was working the buyer. Right, you were managing. The I was managing the yeah. seller, yeah. and. From that side of things, we managed to put together a really good combination. And so, again, a quick deal was done through good customer service. Um, deal was agreed, and I think it was 21 days, 24 days later, 
everything was taken care of, including funds coming into the country and everything else. So at this level of transaction um, for these both these properties, dare I say it, it was relatively simple. Mm. Um, but I think it was relatively simple because of the preparation work and the attention to detail that on both deals, um, just listen. Listen to what they want and just give them exactly what they want. So yeah, so, so it happened relatively fast, but the prep work was all there in, in the background. And you tend to find that with these type of really nice clients that come and buy these homes, um, they're just nice. They're just nice people. <laughs> <laughs> nice people who like nice things and who understand what it means to be given a good service and they appreciate that. And so we find ourselves where we find ourselves. And that was, can't, it wasn't really much more complicated than that, to be fair. <laughs> you get some nightmare scenarios, but in, right. in instances like this, I, I think um, nightmare scenarios happen when qualification of clients or manage, management of clients isn't done properly. Right. If we keep it as simple as possible, but as attentive as possible, then things tend to move smoothly. So, right. yeah. Well, um, you know, you are, you, you have, again, just been one of the most consistent performers when it comes to high value transactions. Uh, just last month, mm. you completed the uh, highest rental yeah. sale. Yeah. Um, and, I, you know, again, we've also talked about your awards. I mean, you are really, you know, you're, you're something of uh, a super broker. Is, is, I think, the term that's been thrown around a little bit. It's a term that's been thrown around. <laughs> uh, so, you know, w what is it that makes you tick? I mean, you've, you've talked about this a little bit, but just to expand on it some more, what makes a super broker? Game plan. Opinion? Game plan. Mm -hmm. um, I mentioned it before, but you have to have a game plan. You have to yeah. have a, a, a reason for what you do. In any, in any job, in any walk of life, you have to have a reason for what you do. I genuinely love what I do as well, right. which is also very, very important. I really, really enjoy being in this industry. I really enjoy helping people. I really enjoy the challenge. Right. Um, again, as I mentioned, I'm super, super competitive, but I'm really competitive with myself. Mm -hmm. So much so that I do beat myself up a lot about things, but um, that's where my wife comes in and she calms me down. Um, but I am really competitive. So I like to know what's happening out there. Mm -hmm. Not just in the office. I like to I like to know what's happening with other agencies and other brokers and what they're doing and how they're doing it. And I like to to, to know everything that's happening because then it gives me the drive to move forward. Um, routine and a game plan. You know, I wake up every morning, nice and early. I've got two young children, so I have to wake up early. Um, wake up in the morning early. I get myself out. I get myself to the gym. Um, I might not look it right now, but I get myself to the gym. Um, it's a cheat. Four days out of five, let's say. <laughs> Depends how sore I am. Um, I get into the office. I organize my day within the first two to three hours of being in the office. Mm -hmm. And then I'm out. I'm out because I'm organized. And I'm out meeting clients. Mm -hmm. I'm out viewing properties. I'm out um, scanning for anything that I've missed, uh, if that makes sense. Um, mm -hmm. I'm not in the office all the time making phone calls all day and I know that's a very important part of the job but it's about how you position everything right. in its right place. Um, for me meeting clients face to face whether it's a seller or a landlord or a, a buyer or a tenant getting to meet people face to face looking at them in the eye understanding what they want reading their body language seeing how they respond to different things that I say yeah. um, 
is so valuable because it then means I can just skip so many steps and just go straight to finding them what they want. So my day revolves around all that kind of stuff. Um, in addition to that, of course, as um, with the company, I have certain responsibilities that I have to sure. to meet when, in my position as well. So helping the company, helping the CEO, helping all these different things happen in the company. So you have to have a game plan and you have to have um, a structure to your day. And so making sure you've got that in place, um, try your best not to deviate from that. Right. Um, and then you tend to get things done. Yeah. All right. Well, sound advice for uh, new agents coming in, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I guess um, another thing that, that, uh, that we've talked about is the fact that, you know, all of your kind of big ticket transactions yeah. recently have taken place kind of in a, in a sort of post-COVID scenario, mm. uh, which, is, which seems like it'd be quite unusual, but, but in fact, you know, the market's been, market's been going crazy yeah. this, this year in yeah. terms of uh, the demand that's coming in. Yeah. Um, you know, what, what has your experience been like? Is this what you expected the scenario to be? Have you, like, has COVID actually had much of an impact on your performance? It's funny, actually. Yeah, I mean, it is funny because we did talk about this when I say we, myself and some colleagues, back when COVID actually hit. Right. So um, when it actually happened and, and everything went into lockdown and we didn't really know which way everything was going to go. There was oh, certain yeah. panic in the beginning and we didn't know how it was going to revolve. But I, we had this sneaky suspicion. I think, how do I sum this up? In the very beginning when, when, when Corona and COVID-19 hit, um, there was a lot of panic. Of course, all oh, over yeah. the world. Yeah, it was a scary time. And with yeah. panic, there was a there was a bit of an exodus. Mm-hmm. And on that exodus, there were tenants downsizing from their homes because they were panicking about being able to afford their property. There was sellers um, selling their homes and saying, "You know what? I've had it. I'm out. I need to just get out." Mm-hmm. But that all happened really quickly within a space of one or two months at the very beginning of COVID nineteen. Mm-hmm. That happened really fast, and lots of buyers bought properties at very nice prices right. all over Dubai because there were yeah. sellers that were panicking and sold. Mm-hmm. Um, and when that was happening, I had a conversation with one of my colleagues and, and, and we basically said at the time, listen, this is happening really fast, but what happens when all those houses are sold? There's no, there's no distressed deals anymore. Right. Um, and people are still going to want to buy. And so we said, I mean, we, we looked at it and we went, you know what, what might happen is the exact opposite to what we think, what looks as though it's going to happen right now, is that the prices are going to start going up. People are going to start buying. People are going to start realizing that um, that they want to be living outdoors mm-hmm. a lot more because of the confinements that we had in the beginning of COVID-19, yeah. having the chance to stand outside in their garden in fresh air, standing on the beach, feet in the water, as opposed to be in an apartment without a balcony sometimes. You know, these were scenarios that people really started to reevaluate what they wanted and what they valued in life. And, and what all of a sudden what happened was the value of life and lifestyle mm-hmm. came to the forefront. Yeah. And then what happened was it just went crazy. People then just started realizing, I want to be outdoors. I value my lifestyle. I'm going to be working from home now because I'm not going to be going into the office or I can work from home just as easily right. as... I can go into the office, I may as well have a nice home to live in. Mm-hmm. And then everything just shifted and everything just changed. And um, 
being there to capitalize on that, I guess is the best way of saying it. Being there to really take advantage of helping these people, these buyers and, and tenants find that new home that worked for them was important. And again, as far as I remember, there was also a lot of real estate professionals who, who put their hand up and went at that time went, no, the market's gone, I'm, I'm leaving Dubai and went. Mm. So there was a there was a drop there was a drop in in real estate professionals in the beginning and riding the storm riding the the storm preparing for what happened next was really important and I guess with every every scenario or everything every scenario where there's where what am I trying to say every scenario where there's uncertainty there's an opportunity mm-hmm. yeah. and how you choose to position yourself for that opportunity depends on how things are going to move forward. Um, I'd like to think that I tried to position myself in the right way, made the right decisions for my family, made the right decisions for myself, made the right decisions for the company I'm working for. Um, and some people might say luck, but I'm not really one for luck. I'm just more about just putting my head down and working hard. So with, with, with hard work comes rewards. Right. And putting yourself in the position to be there for that Mm -hmm. to not be negative and to stay positive um i personally found that being very beneficial yeah 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 absolutely now you know you are such an incredibly hard worker uh with what you do but over the past year you've also had a new addition to your family yeah (laughs) with your with your son uh your your second son yeah how do you how do you maintain that balance between you know all all the work that you do, all the meetings that you have to attend, all of the client interactions, and then getting in that family time? I mean, it's hard. I mean, it's right. I'm not going to I'm not going to sit here and say, oh yeah, it's super super easy. Anyone can do it. Right. Um, right. It's hard. It's hard work. Um, it's hard work because I have two boys. Mm-hmm. Um, one is now five, and the other one is now just turned seven months. So <laughs> there's a balance, you know, um, there's a balance that has to be done. And my, you know, all the credit has to go to my wife from, from her point of view. Um, she works hard in her job, but at the same time, she organizes and manages everything to do with the home. I just have to be there um, to participate, um, which is great because it allows me to, it allows me to really not have to worry about certain things on the home front because I know my wife's got that covered. Trust her implicitly with that. I have to then just be there. I know that sounds a bit blasé, but I have to be there to be to be dad and right. to be in home and to be part of that scenario. But I don't have to worry about organizing things because my wife takes all that on her shoulders. So what that, what that means is I can really be involved as much as I can from the family point of view. And then at the same time, just drive and push and give all my energy from the work side of things as well Um, so it really is a team thing and I have to give 100% credit to my wife for that and now that I've said all that I probably I've just realized that it it comes across as if I don't do anything at home I do I do but I think the point I'm trying to make is is that she takes a lot on her shoulders to allow us as a team to to push forward as a family so um, it's not easy it's not easy, um, right, but 
having a having teamwork. Yeah. Um, that's, it's that's manageable. That's the key thing, isn't it? Professional teamwork makes the dream work. Life. Is that what yeah. they say? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, and um, well, what do you? Uh, Yes, what do you see for the future? What do you think the market's going to be like for the rest of 2021? Um, what impact do you see uh, the expo having? That's happening in just about two months now. Yeah. How do you see things going? Well, we're sitting, we're sitting having this conversation, and it's summertime. Right. And you know, this is the you know last summer, no one left Dubai because of COVID nineteen. Now yeah. people are leaving Dubai and going on vacation because they can. Mm-hmm. Uh, the market's a little bit quieter, but it's not really. But it is, but it's not really. So yeah. for anyone that's saying, oh, it's really quiet, and it's not really. Um, there's still a lot of business being done and there's still a lot of opportunity to be done there. I think that's only going to increase. Mm-hmm. Of course, it's only going to increase come the end of August. Right. They say September is selling season because that's what they say. Every month is selling season <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. But um, I only see it increasing, increasing. Right. The demand from um, from Expo, I mean, I think it's going to be huge. I think it's going to be absolutely huge. We all know it's going to be huge and we now know it's happening, of course, and it's and we're, we're so close to that now. So the influx that's going to happen from Expo is going to be massive. Um, what does that mean? There's a lot of people coming to Dubai who need short-term rentals. There's right. a lot of people sh- right. short-term six months or seven months or eight months. You know, there's a lot of people that need that. Mm-hmm. There's also a lot of people that are already here that need somewhere for 12 months. So again, going right back to what we spoke about in the beginning, mm-hmm. the bread and butter of this industry is the rental market. Yeah. And there's so many people coming into Dubai for Expo that are going to have to rent something. So being on the top of your game, understanding what's on the market, understanding what's available, and understanding what you can provide for all these different corporate clients and people that are coming looking for somewhere to stay for nine months, mm. seven months, whatever, um, will make a big, big difference in turnover, revenue, and personal earnings for every single real estate professional. From the sales side of things, what does Expo pose as an opportunity? I think it's a big, big opportunity of putting Dubai as a city even more on the map mm-hmm. um, than what it already is. Um, as far as I'm concerned, as far as we're concerned, we live here. So we, we look at Dubai as being the best city in the world. With Expo, with the influx of people that are going to come into the city, they're only going to see that as well. They're going to see the infrastructure yeah. and the way that the Dubai government have prepared everything to, to make this the best expo ever you know so the opportunity for people coming to Dubai to buy properties as investments or to relocate to Dubai Dubai is only going to increase because they're going to see how great this city is Um, and the perception of Dubai is only going to be enhanced from this opportunity of expo so um, we need to get ready we need to get ready to sell we need to get ready to be able to service um, and look after clients from a customer service point of view, because if we're not ready, they're going to go to someone else. Mm. And I don't like it when people go to someone else, especially when I can help them. So, yeah, that's what that's my two two cents on that topic. Yeah. All right. Well, we are uh, definitely looking forward to many more transactions. Over Thank the you. Of the year, many more records to be broken. Hopefully. Yeah. So watch this. Watch this space. Up. I said it before. I'll say it again. <laughs> Watch this space. Um, we've still got what? How many months to go before the end of the year? Oh, four or five. Yeah. Yeah, just just under half. But That's four or five. Time. Four or five more months of records to be broken. Then right. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Let's see what happens. All right. And before we wrap up, of course. Yeah. Uh, there is a little. Um, I'm not singing. Nope. 
No singing. I hadn't actually thought of that. That might be something we'd include in, in future interviews. Yeah, and with, we'll do that uh, in the outtakes. <laughs> and with some karaoke. Um, so the final component of the interview, of course, is the quick fire Q&A. Yeah. Uh, that we do. I remember this from the last yes. time. No, no idea what's going to be asked right now, to be honest. So let's see what goes on. All right. Um, what, is, um, what is a good... Uh, oh, wow. I should probably know my questions. That, that might help. That might help. Do you want me to ask you? Do you want me to ask <laughs> yeah, you some maybe questions? You should ask me then. Right, um, Do you know your questions? <laughs> Hopefully. Uh, right. So, what is, I think, uh, one of your favorite restaurants that you've been to in the past year? We've had, you know, some new places open up. I don't know if you've, if you've been around, if you've been around oh, as much of late, but you know, anything that you've been to that's been particularly oh. exciting. Uh, here's where you get to find out how boring I am. <laughs> Jeez, uh, best restaurants I've been to in the past year. Well, I mean, restaurants. What kind of question is that? We're living in COVID nineteen. Everything's been closed. Okay, well, everything's been well, closed for a while. This year, let's say. I tell you yes. what, I am looking forward to. I mean, my, I, I, I tell you what, I am looking forward to. My wife put it in the diary this morning. My wife put it in the diary yeah. this morning. Now I've got to find out where it was again. There's a new restaurant opening up, and I was going. I can't remember where this is now. Uh, hold on, let me tell you. Oh man, this is this is this is where I see. This is where you get to see the raw questions being asked, and I have no idea what's going on. Um, my wife put uh, something in the diary, and I went, "Oh, that looks pretty cool." There's a new restaurant opening up, and I should know the name of it, and I can't remember the name of it now. Where is it? It's a new. Uh, it's a Japanese fusion restaurant. Okay. Um, one of the new restaurants by Solutions Leisure, which is. Um, which is uh, the same guys that do Lockstock and um, right. STK. They've got a brand new, a brand new Japanese uh, fusion restaurant coming. Which I love Japanese food, so I'm super, super excited about that. Um, I was trying to look cool there by just double checking the name of the restaurant, but I can't find the day when my wife's put it in that we're going for the opening launch. Um, I love Japanese food. Right. I love Japanese food. I love um, all everything to do with that culture. So I'm super, super excited about about that um, I am super boring when it comes to going out for dinner not not that I don't go out for dinner but to be perfectly honest with you I can never remember the names of all the restaurants that, that we that we go to we don't go to many um, but that's a difficult question I'm that boring please move on I can't no not Chuck E. Cheese yeah. I can't believe you asked me a question about restaurants when practically for the past 12 months they've all been closed um, yeah. Probably uh, needed a better game plan. I yeah, guess. I think yeah. so. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, now you've uh, you've actually just come back from a mini vacation. Yes. Uh, so yeah, where where was that? What was the last place you traveled to? Where you? Well, next? the last place I've just came back from um, seven days in the Maldives, which was very very nice. Oh, I'm sure it was. Um, my previous vacation and holiday before that mm-hmm. was October 2018. So I literally haven't had a holiday or time off. I mean, this job, there is no time off. Right. Right. So I've literally not had time off since October 2018, which meant that the past um, holiday, that the vacation that I just had in the Maldives was, was great. You know, it was just a, a lovely experience just to be able to, to, to switch off to an extent. <laughs> I don't tend to switch off that much. I certainly asked my wife that question. Um, but yeah, it was nice. I went there for, for seven days. It was good with the kids. Um, went to a beautiful island, um, enjoyed what the image of the Maldives gives, and um, had an excellent service from Emirates flying there, 
and just the whole experience was really nice. So no idea when I'm going away again next, but <laughs> let's see uh, let's see what happens. Oh, I suppose you could always just head to kind of the backyard of one of the palm villas. Just yeah, I could do. Sit there. I could do that. That's pretty cool, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I've got plenty plenty of villas on the palm where if I, if I want to call up the, any any of the owners and say, hey, can I go and use that for the weekend? Yeah, yeah. They'll probably say no, but right. yeah. Well, yeah. 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 Uh, name two items on your bucket list. Things that you maybe if you want to do next or at least yeah. at some point in the next, uh, let's say, five years. Things you want to take off. To go to for a vacation or just, just anything. Just anything. Anything, yeah. Anything at all on my bucket list. Um, <clears throat> oh, the, the bucket list always changes, but um, my oldest son, um, who I mentioned is now five years old, mm-hmm. when he was um, one, and, one and a half, we went to, to Disney World um, in Florida. Oh. Um, nice. One and a half, two years old, we went, just turning two, we went to Disney World in Florida. Mm-hmm. And he actually asked me about seven, eight days ago, he said, um, um, Daddy, I really, really liked that, that place. And I said to him, you remember that? He went, yeah, 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 I remember the Magic Castle. <laughs> Cinderella's Castle. So I was like, so, he said, when will we go again? Uh, so I think the bucket list reevaluates continually, but when you hear that kind of thing, you want to, you want to give your best for your kids. So I think, I think, you know, giving him the opportunity to go back now as a five-year-old, and, and see it all again would be nice and, and of course I've got the baby now as well he, he, I mean he won't remember it yet but yeah making making my kids happy and if he's asked to, that he'd love to do that I think the first opportunity we can get to go back there maybe um, sometime next year would be quite nice to do just because he's asked so he might not even remember asking but you know I'll, re- I'll remember that and I'll do that um, from a personal bucket list point of view um, well a personal bucket list point of view for me is um I really want to go to the World Cup final, which of course is next year. Right. The World Cup will be in Qatar next year. Mm. Um, of course, from my football background, having the World Cup being so close to where we are now, mm. um, I really want to go there to watch a lot of the games. Um, and I would really love to go to the World Cup final. That's definitely a bucket list for me. And of course, we've just had the, the Euro 2020 this right, yes, year. So I'm a very happy guy that, that, <laughs> that Italy won the Euro 2020. 2021 championship so now I'm very excited to see what's going to happen with the World Cup so yes for my personal bucket list World Cup final next next year yeah we'll probably have to edit that last bit out for Jason um, and, and kind of the the British members of our team just you know just <clears throat> absolutely not <laughs> absolutely not I had to uh, I had to suffer the whole Euro 2020 when 2020 thing when it was a uh, Fair yeah, no, that's yeah. not going to happen. Yeah. We're going to keep that in, and we're going to let everyone listen to that. Yeah, just play that on a loop. In the yeah, office. exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. Well, I, I kind of was trying to remember my questions, but you've still I, forgotten them. I, I so I still have to look at them again. Sorry. Arpan, uh, what's your what's one of your bucket lists for the next twelve months? Oh gosh, one of my bucket lists. Wow. weren't expecting that, were you? No, no. It's, it's a flipping the script. I like that. Well, you know. Funny thing, I've always wanted to go to Scotland. Right. Personally, that's that's kind of one of my bucket list items. Kind of exploring the the Scottish Highlands. Yeah. So that's that's something I'd like to do. 
hopefully in the next 12 months that's a good place to go I mean it's so beautiful I mean Mm. obviously from from people listening to this podcast and and obviously watching it as well you can tell from my accent that I don't have an (laughs) Italian accent so my dad's Italian my mum's a Scot so you know I grew up in Scotland I also grew up in Italy so yeah it's a beautiful beautiful place Um, to do a tour around Scotland and to see the the sheer beauty of what that country has is absolutely phenomenal so so many people do it. Yes, add it to your bucket list. In fact, it's funny because you're 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 basically connected to two of my bucket list countries: Scotland yeah. and then Italy. Yeah, <laughs> kind of exploring the piazzas and kind of the non-touristy places. Yeah, a little bit. Well, that's the best thing as well. That's that's the thing with with Italy. Um, so I, I grew up in the Venetian Riviera for the first six years. Oh, so. Nice. Um, as a tourist, everyone goes and does touristy things, but mm-hmm. the best way to, to explore Italy is to get lost, quite literally. <laughs> right. Get lost right. and see the things in the background mm-hmm. that people seem to forget, the little um, churches or the, the, the piazzas that you mentioned as well, yeah. in the different cities where you you don't necessarily know they're there until you actually find them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Venice is great for that kind of stuff, because everyone goes to Venice and they go through the normal, the normal um, streets. Mm-hmm. of what Venice has to offer but if you just go two or three streets behind the normal ones you, there's some really cool things to see okay. that you don't necessarily know about right. um, but there are some really cool things to see yeah oh, yeah. yeah so definitely add it to the bucket oh, list yeah. definitely on my list <laughs> um, right now if you were stuck on a desert island well I was eh. I was last week wasn't I <laughs> fair enough <laughs> well, well you weren't really stuck, I wasn't stuck but... no I had my snorkel. Yeah. <laughs> well, what are the three things that you would want to have with you? If I was stuck on a desert island, what would I want to have with me? Yeah. Satellite phone, because it's impossible for me not to be connected. <laughs> uh, dis, uh, to be, it's impossible for me to be disconnected to everything. Um, I probably have to go and see someone about that, to be <laughs> honest. Um, so a satellite phone, yeah. stranded on a desert island. Um, a desert island, man. Water. <laughs> well, it doesn't have to be a desert necessarily. Like an, an island. An island. It could be a tropical island. Okay. You're, you're stuck there. If I'm stuck in a tropical island, <laughs> what would I want? I mean, I definitely would want my snorkeling kit so that I could right. go and see what's. See, I, I say that and because I find it so peaceful um, scuba diving and snorkeling. So, mm. from a stress point of view, yeah, definitely from that. Because if you're freaking out on a desert island, you want to have <laughs> some stress relief at some point. So definitely my snorkel kit, yeah. um, definitely a satellite phone. Then I wouldn't be stranded because then I just call someone in. Um, I definitely want my. Well, until they show up. Yeah, I mean, if I'm going to be stuck in a desert island, I, I'm quite selfish. I want my family to be stuck with me. <laughs> so I'd want them That's to be there as well. <laughs> not, not quite Disney World, but you know. I don't know, but if I'm going to be stuck, I don't want to be stuck myself. So I'll be really selfish and pull them in with me. Um, and then I guess the other thing would be one more thing to be stuck on a desert island with. I'm not allowed to say gin and tonic, am I? I think, yeah. Well, you said it. So well, I said it. Yeah. If I'm going to be stuck somewhere, I'm, I'm a cocktail. A cocktail, a cocktail. To, to watch the sunset on. That'll work for me. Whether that's alcoholic or not. Okay. Uh, how would you define success? What, what to you is success? Oh, man, that's a hard question. How do you define success? Um, I don't think... I don't think... Um, it's something that can be easily defined. Um, 
because you should always you should always strive to be better I don't mean to be more successful I mean just to be a better person right. and what comes from that yes you could maybe classify that as success you know I mean mm-hmm. th- there's different ways of, of looking at it success people look at success maybe on on how much money they have or how much cars they have or how much material possessions they have um, I think you asking me that question uh, to be a better person every single day for myself but also for my family mm-hmm. to display that to different people in the relationships that you build in a daily in, in daily life and I'm a huge believer of um, the law of attraction um, however if you want to summarize that some people call it the secret some people call it manifestation whatever you want to call it but I'm a huge believer and participant in what the law of attraction means so the way that you conduct yourself in the right way has a full circle effect on how things develop moving forward. Right. Um, that, for me, would be the definition of, I guess if you want to call it the definition of success, keep treating people the way that I want to be treated, um, try my best to manifest, manifest positivity in whatever avenue that presents itself because what comes back from that will allow you to continually um, prosper. Success, whatever you want, way you want to call it. That's how I would look at that. Yeah. Yeah. Be sincere in everything that you do. Oh, that's good. And it'll come full circle. I yeah. like that. Yeah. Uh, what is the best piece of advice you've ever received? Or like, you know, is there a piece of advice that kind of changed your life or changed your outlook? On yeah, it was my first day. I can tell you that straight away, actually. <laughs> I know that one because I keep these things close to heart. Um, so the best piece of advice that I was... Maybe not the best. Well, yeah. The best thing that I always remember was when I had my first ever job. Mm-hmm. I walked in from my first day, 17 years old. I was still at college. 17, my first real job. Um, what what I, was that? Oh, well, so before real estate, um, yeah. obviously, you know, Very I was in f- football yeah. and, and, and soccer. But before that as well, I was 17 years old. So um, I got a part-time job in a gym as yeah. a fitness consultant, whatever you want to call it, um, when, when you're 17 and a half years old and getting paid minimum wage. Um, but I remember walking in that first day and I got welcomed into the facility and I got taken into the, the, the general manager's office and he welcomed me to the, to the job and he yeah. sat me down and he said, this is your first day um, of the rest of your life. The most important thing that you must remember from this point forward is perception is reality. What, how people perceive you right. on that split second mm-hmm. is the reality of f- at that moment in time. Yeah. Always present yourself in a positive way because when you meet someone face-to-face for the first time, right. how you That's... present yourself, that perception, is the reality at that moment. Yeah. Um, and, if you, and he said to me, perception is reality. He explained it, as I've just very briefly explained it to yourself, and then he said to me, if you always focus on every day um, in giving the correct the correct perception to every single person you meet and be real, mm-hmm. then you will remember this for the rest of your life. And I still remember that uh, f- from 
17 and a half years old and I'm 40 now. Um, it's something that stuck with me. Just how someone perceives you is very, very, very important. When you are giving the right impression and when you are when you are doing things with sincerity and mm-hmm. with proper ethics, mm-hmm. the perception of what you're doing is the correct way of doing it. As far as I'm concerned, it's the correct way of doing it. Mm-hmm. And when someone sees that, they see that you're real, they yeah. see that you're sincere, yeah. and they see that they can trust you. And when you have someone's trust, that's a huge thing. When you lose someone's trust, that's a very damaging thing. Yeah. So perception is reality give yourself the opportunity to always be perceived in the correct way and when you do it for the right reasons you will you will always come across um, correctly you will always come across uh, the right you will you will always basically be perceived to be the right type of person that that that's needed for that time um, no acting no gimmicks be yourself be real be sincere and people see that and that effectively was what I was told when I was 17 and a half years old and it stuck with me my whole life everything that I've done always revolves around that I can't remember the name of the general manager (laughs) can't remember him can't remember his name but I remember what he said to me well that advice has certainly served you well so far and I'm sure will continue to serve you quite well uh, into the future hopefully all right, well, thank you so much, Ricardo, for taking some time out, out of your, I know, extremely busy day no, no problem. to sit down and, and have a chat. No problem and at all. Thank you for you having on. me. It was yeah. good to ask you some questions as well. Yes, I know. It's uh, unexpected. I quite enjoyed that. <laughs> quite enjoyed that. Um, next time I'll sit there and you can sit <laughs> right, here. Right, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll do a reverse interview next time. Um, but yeah, thank you again. Thank and, you. Um, but, you know, just best of luck with the rest of your day and, and the rest of the year, I'm sure. Thank you. I hope Very new, exciting announcements to come. Thank you. I'm sure. I hope this comes across well. So, (laughs) yeah, thanks very much. And that's it for this episode of the Luxury Podcast. We are available on all of your favorite podcast streaming platforms, So if you enjoyed this interview, then please subscribe so you can stay up to date with our latest episodes. The Luxury Podcast is a sub-brand of LuxuryProperty.com, an award-winning boutique brokerage that markets the world's finest homes. To learn more, visit our website at LuxuryProperty.com and follow us on all of our social media channels. Thank you for listening, and we will talk again next time.